Roses are red, violets are blue, Red Bull look quick, Ferrari won too. Hello and welcome back to the Grid Talk podcast, everybody. This is episode number 178, where we're going to be reviewing the season opening race from 2022, the Bahrain Grand Prix. I'm your host, George Housen, and joining me today is host of the Five Red Lights podcast, Aaron Harper. Hello. Tom Downey from EF1. Hello. And Phil Matthew from the Grip Strip podcast. Hello. So, lads, a hell of a race to start the season. The new regulations have definitely shaken things up, and uh, Ferrari have continued their upwards trajectory by claiming a 1 2 finish today. Charles Leclerc finishing ahead of Carlos Sainz, and an absolute maximum points hole for Ferrari, too. Aaron, it's it's a perfect start to the season for them. Charles Leclerc with a brilliant performance today. And, and yeah, and, Ch- and Carl Sainz again backing him up well in second there. Oh, it was a beautiful performance from Charles. And it's everything that we know that he's capable of. Um, the thing that worries me about Charles is if he makes a, a silly mistake, a bit like Azerbaijan or Monaco, the two qualifying sessions where he kind of binned it. But yesterday he, he delivered the lap, um, considering he wasn't, fastest after the first runs that honor went to his teammate Carlos Sainz and then after winning the start he dealt with Verstappen very well um I think the way that those two have come through the sort of the generation that they are they're both very adept at fighting each other because they know exactly how the other one approaches things uh, I, correct me if I'm wrong I think they battled in uh, junior formula from time to time. I know, I know Max was fast-tracked um, through the system, um, but they did go to wheel-to-wheel um, in their junior days. So Charles has that all that extra knowledge in terms of how to get the better of Max and how to deal with him. So he, he used that perfectly today to execute a pretty much flawless race. Um, his, his first two wins were a bit nervy, a bit tense. He had Hamilton or Bottas breathing down his neck much of those two races and uh, today he was fully in control uh, apart from that one period where Verstappen was attacking but once he got clear of the DRS zone he had the pace in hand to deal with it and I was watching the sector times and Verstappen would regularly be a tenth tenth and a half two tenths quicker in the first sector and then Leclerc would just respond in the middle sector which is kind of telling because it tells us that Ferrari don't just have a powerful engine. They have a car that handles well through slow corners and is good on the brakes. So I think we also saw that in in the battle down into turn one. Charles wasn't afraid to just hand Max the inside, knowing that he could get the job done on the brakes into turn four. And for his teammate, Carlos Sainz, to be backing him up in P2, that's a dream start to the season for Ferrari. They couldn't have asked for any more and, you know, the horse is prancing again. Absolutely, yeah. Ferrari are back. You know, we've joked about it a lot and kind of said they've tried to deceive at times, but they're absolutely back. Like we said, one-two finish today. Charles Leclerc, he, yeah, I mean, he had a great battle with Max Verstappen today, going back to their old karting days um, when they used to fight. It's been a long time for those guys, but to see them battling out on track, you know, it was very much a bat, you know, battle. It's like, right, these two are two of the best up-and-coming drivers in Formula 1. One of them a champion, one of them a potential champion in the future. And obviously, Charles Leclerc, he's uh, he's become the first monogash driver to lead the world championship as well. He's got off to the perfect start with this season. Um, I mean, 
Tom, it was fantastic from Charles today. I mean, didn't have it all his own way in some ways. I mean, he started from pole position. Verstappen, he got very close through the undercut. They had a they had a great battle for three or four laps. But like Aaron said, you know, Charles Leclerc said, yeah, Max, you know, you take the inside line. You go for it. I'm going to get you back into turn four again. You know, the, it just looked a very controlled and composed and mature drive from him today. Yeah, and I think today Leclerc showed why Ferrari had put their faith in him to sort of lead their championship fight and whether, why they sort of took him on when they did and promoted him to the team at such, at such a young age. Let's not forget that this Ferrari team is the first time since, oh, I don't even know when, that they haven't had a, a current or former world champion in their ranks. Um, so, you know, I don't know when the last time, you know, that the A driver was not a world champion because obviously you, you, you go back... Obviously, they've had Alonso and Kimi Raikkonen and Schumacher and all you know all, all the all the historic drivers. So it's 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 quite telling that that Ferrari have put their uh, that, that, that Ferrari have put their trust in Leclerc, and he's already proved it a few times. But today, I think he showed that you know he's got the car underneath him. The way he dealt with Verstappen, the way he the way he let Max overtake him, knowing that he would then get a run with DRS back up to turn four. Um, and you know, and, and then then effectively do max under braking, and and you know, there was one point I can't remember if it was the first or second time round where Leclerc went so close to the front wing of Max's car when he almost got across him, it was so close. Um, but you know, you know, but but it um, you know, it, it goes to show those fine margins because you know, I, I think. Leclerc and Max both know each other enough to know how they race. And dare I say, had that been Hamilton and Verstappen last year, not saying anything about either driver, but I think if that would have been either one of them last year, that would have probably ended in tears. Um, so, so, yeah, you know, it was, it was a fantastic race from, from Leclerc. Really held his own, sort of almost, not forced Max into making a mistake, but, you know, but, but dealt with the situation really well. Let Max almost burn up his tires, um, and then and then yeah, just just such just a brilliant brilliant race from him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the undercut was massive today in Bahrain. We've seen it a few times in the past, but the undercut was a good three seconds or so. But every, every time after the pit stops, Leclerc would just pull out a gap slowly, relentlessly. He reminded me of Alonso back back in his Renault days, just extremely consistent. He knew exactly what he was doing, and he's keeping uh, Verstappen at arm's length for the, for most of the race. It, it was brilliant to see. I mean, I've waxed lyrical loads about the kid, but he's he's incredible. And now this season, he's in a championship contending car for the first time I'd say and it's going to be very interesting to see how he gets on with this uh, kudos to Carlos Sainz as well obviously back in, back in Leclerc up with second another very solid finish matching his best ever finish in the sport and uh, and praise as well has to go to Sir Lewis Hamilton too he rounded off the podium today in third Phil I mean Mercedes look a good distance off of Ferrari and uh, Red Bull at the top, but this was the best they could have hoped for, really. And Lewis, to his credit as well, he was challenging Perez through, throughout the last stages of the race. Maybe there were some mechanical issues for Checo coming into it then. But I think today, third and fourth for Mercedes, that's the best they could have hoped for, really. Yeah, I mean, credit to Ferrari, as the guys have already said, as everyone has said, I mean... They had the pace and testing. I know it's been discussed here in previous episodes, but to come into this race and actually have the pace advantage, put it on pole, get the start, hold off the defending world champion and that team, 
and then basically be able to hold over on them for the entire race, both drivers, and then be able to close the deal. Great. Mercedes, definitely third. And Lewis had to pick his pace up as the weekend went on, got to fifth in qualifying, got up to third for a moment early on. But then, of course, reality started to set in. The porpoising issues and ride height issues of the car also um, making the car uh, not as drivable as the uh, top two right now. But there's a reason why Mercedes has been there for many years. There's a reason why Lewis is one of the best ever. They were able to make the most of a bad situation. George Russell, tough qualifying, only getting ninth, but he gets a great start and just is taking a steady upward trajectory through the field. That used to be somewhat of an issue in his Williams days and an issue for the previous driver there. But in his case, he goes and takes that upward trend and takes every advantage he gets to go in and end up getting a fourth place finish. And because of that, the damage limitation as what this weekend has been and what early these early season races are probably going to be for Mercedes ended up becoming another podium, podium number 183 for Lewis Hamilton. And then, um, uh, which they said on the broadcast, of course, and then um, uh, for George getting a fourth place finish, consolidation in points to going into uh, next week's race, they're second in, in constructors. And they'll keep on working as we go on through early part of the season. But great job by the Mercedes team after basically kind of being out to lunch at the start of the weekend to end up with a third and fourth place finish when it probably didn't seem like that was going to end up happening uh, on Friday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they said that they didn't expect to win this race and they've said this a lot of times in the past and they, they've been up there, but this time they are genuinely off the pace of the top two teams. Um, uh, it was looking like it's going to be fifth and sixth and that would have been as you know a solid result given the circumstances. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Hamilton, 183 podiums. I didn't even realise it was that many. He's going to have, he's, he's probably going to end up with over 200 by the time he retires. That is that is an insane statistic. I didn't realize that. Um, but yeah, he's going to do, he's going to do well unless Mercedes, um, unless Mercedes improve the car much, he's going to do well to keep to add into his, his win total, keep that winning streak going, but you, you can't put anything past him. Um, I, I was very impressed as well with George Russell this week. And I mean, Phil mentioned there that he, um, he got ninth in qualifying. He, he battled through to get fourth by the end of this race, Aaron. And, you know, if anything, he kept the tyres better than what Hamilton did during the race. And it would have been very easy for him to get a bit down and get a bit, oh, God, the pressure's on now. You know, I've I've, I've done a worse qualifying than Valtteri Bottas, the guy I've replaced. But in the race, he made it count. He finished fourth. A good debut. Full Good debut as a full-time Mercedes driver, I should say. It's not his Mercedes debut, but a good weekend for him this weekend, I'd say. Yeah, and I think the fact that he wasn't getting too down in the dumps or getting too carried away with a fourth place um, speaks actually volumes about the sort of environment and culture that Mercedes have, that they they don't get too carried away with a bit of success and they don't get too down in the dumps about a bad day at the office. They just keep working and they focus on what they need to focus on. So for George he, and the team, Toto um, mentioned this as well, that they encouraged him to do something different on his preparation lap to his quali- final run in qualifying. And that's what led to his mistake at turn one. And then he had a bit of recovery work to do, which he did. 
And in fairness, it was a bit of a quiet race after he'd sort of manoeuvred his way back up to P6. And that was kind of the ceiling for for the moment because he'd, he'd lost time to Lewis. It wasn't going to be a battle between the two Mercedes. And then they were sort of just lagging behind. Like where Red Bull used to be sort of not quick enough to challenge uh, Ferrari and Mercedes, but always faster than everybody else. And Mercedes found themselves in that sort of no man's land. So for George to be recovering, that puts any doubt to bed that he's not able to make his way through the traffic. And, you know, it's, it's just extra data in in the data banks for him because he's got to learn to work with these people. Of course, he knows them from days gone by, but he hasn't raced with them week in, week out. Um, and that relationship with his engineer, which I think is still the same guy who engineered Bottas, uh, Ricardo, I think his name is. So um, it's just it's just a learning process for George. And there's no need for him to be uh, crying because he's not beating Lewis and jumping up and down because he does. It's just, you know, learning and it's a process you know, trust the process, as they say. So it will come good for George. And today is just another day that he gets to drive a Mercedes. And, you know, I'm very jealous of him. I would like to drive that car. Yeah, I think we'd all love to drive that car, but then we'd immediately realise why these guys drive these cars and we don't, because I, I don't think they'd be too easy to get around. I think stalling it in the pit lane is definitely something uh, most of us have managed to do. But um, but yeah, so Russell not getting too carried away with his fourth place despite being a good result, but Haas, Haas are getting carried away with Kevin Magnussen. This, this is a guy that didn't even have a contract two weeks ago. He wasn't even meant to be in Formula 1 this year, and he's only gone and, he's only gone and got his car into fifth. 10 points, more points than Haas have scored in the past two seasons combined. I mean, Tom, this is an absolute feel-good result for Formula 1. This shows what these regulations were designed to do. Bring the team that were at the back near to the front. It, it's, it's what we want to see. It's a massive shock and it's absolutely deserved. Yeah, and... Uh, sorry, just sorry, just had a mess on my way. Um, yeah. I'm so happy to see K-Mag uh, a back on the grid because I quite like him anyway. You know, he's, he's got a he's, he's got a he's got a bit of similar balance. You're a bit like Max, um, you know. You know, maybe he's a bit of a dick if you think about it that way. Um, but it was nice to see him back. It's nice to see Haas looking happy, not looking like they were treading on eggshells all the time. It was nice to see them doing well. It's nice to see everybody with a smile on their face. And that car looks genuinely quick. Um, I mean, I think that Ferrari power unit in the back of it has got a fair amount to do with it. But Hassel had put a lot of their resources last year into this year. And so far, it looks like it's paying off. I mean, K-Mag comes back into F1 after a year, brand new regulations, and he finishes P5. Yeah, okay, would have probably been P7. Um, you, know, had, uh, you know, had both Red Bulls not conked out. Um, but still... He was right up there in the points. You know, he qualified well in the top ten. Schumacher was, you know, you know, you know, Mick was, Mick was not too far behind him. Got a bit unlucky at the end to miss out on points. But yeah, it's it's such a like feel good story, and also it's a massive middle finger to Mazepin, which is just even better. You, you know, you know, because you know, because basically, came I could have been just driving around, you know, just just sticking two fingers out the cockpit the whole time. Um, 
you know, you know, just saying, you know, we don't need we don't need your dirty Russian money. Um, you know, we're uh, we're fine as we are, thanks, Hem. Um, and um, and and yeah, it's it, it's it's a brilliant result for Haas. Hopefully, it gives the team a bit of a boost, a bit of confidence. You know, uh, you know, a, a a bit of something. You know, just hopefully, it just gives them gives them something that, that they can go right. Come on, we've got a good result. Mick was just about there, and Mick will only get better. I hope, and. I really, really hope. And I think now that for Haas, they've hit the lowest of the low, which was last year, and they've got past it. And now they are, they're no longer the laughing stock of F1. They are now a genuine threat in the midfield where they should be and where they used to be. And it makes me so bloody happy to see them there. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I mean, they've been through an absolutely terrible time recently. Like I said, think on the preview for this race, there's been a dark cloud over the team for a while, but that's lifted now. And yeah, they absolutely deserved it. They were the best midfield finisher. They were best of the rest this weekend because of that. Um, I, I believe that makes them third in the constructors as well after this race, which is just incredible to see. Um, the Ferrari power cars doing a lot better um, this season. They've all, they all seem to have moved forward. And that includes Alfa Romeo. Now, I wouldn't have been surprised going into this weekend if Alfa Romeo were the worst car on the grid this season, but it doesn't seem like that at all. Alfa have got a genuinely decent car and in the hands of Valtteri Bottas, Phil, I mean, obviously he got a really poor start, but he battled his way through the field and ended up in sixth place. Alfa's best result for a long time as well, I think. Yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know. I figure when he, figure Tom or Aaron might know better than me in regards to Alpha Sauber the last time they were up there in a while. I always remember Sergio Perez's podiums back years ago for them. But, you know, for Botas to do his usual porridge start and then somehow or another come back from it, which, to be completely honest, barely ever happened in a Mercedes, uh, shows how good the car is. Zhou Guan Yu who, for whatever people want to say about him, he's a solid enough driver. He has proven in Formula 2. He has pace. Alpine believed in him enough to have him around for how many years? And in his first Formula 1 race, not only carried himself very well, but just kind of follow, not followed. Uh, uh, following along is probably the wrong way. I think he just kept his head clean, did everything he needed to do, and you get a double points result. The same way as Haas goes and gets 10 points today, first time in years they've scored points, first time they've been relevant in a long time, no egghead. You have Alpha Sauber finally back to a level where it seems like they used to be many years ago. Um, Botas hungry, Botas wanting to go out there and show he still has something. And then you have a young rookie who brings finances, but he also go has some pace. And who knows what this season really holds in regards to this midfield. But for for these Ferrari powered teams, it definitely looks early on that they're in a good in a good situation. And for of course Joe's not or Joe Guan Yu is not going to have any competition for rookie of the year. It's more about going and learning and building upon his skill set as he goes along um for however long his career may be in formula one but also for valtteri botas to build this team and kind of leave a legacy um in formula one uh of a being a builder and a being a a um uh, somebody who made progress with smaller teams uh, that that's uh it was a good run 
for both of them, good pit stops, good, just a good positive weekend for this team, which, you know, at, like last year we talked about Haas, you talk about Alfa Romeo, there weren't very many bright spots. So to be in the position is good as we start 2022. Yeah, it's, it's good to see both of those teams uh, being up there and getting points, not even fine points, just getting points as well, you know, getting them on the board, getting them early on. Um, pass with 10, Alfa Romeo with nine. It, it's great to see a double points finish for Alfa Romeo as well. It's been a long time since we've seen that. Um, and they're absolutely, you know, scraping around to try and get a ninth or a tenth last season. And here they are with a sixth and a tenth and, and a point a point on his debut as well for Joe Grandieu as well. That's that's good to see because I'm sure he's had a lot of critics, a lot of people thinking like like Phil said, oh, he's just in it for the money. You know, he's just a Chinese pay driver or whatever. He kept his nose clean. He absolutely deserves his point. You know, not everybody managed to do that during this race. So, you know, fair play to the kid. Um, I move on to seventh place. And another guy who's come under some criticism despite his win last season, Esteban Ocon, Aaron, you know, seventh place, he kind of ghosted into that. He, he again, he kept his nose clear, but he was genuinely faster than Fernando Alonso this race. It, Alonso was really struggling on the tyres. And Ocon, I'd say a very, very solid weight race for Alpine today. Yeah, like you say, they kind of ghosted around in there, didn't they, in the midfield? I mean, they, they might be bright pink at the moment, but they, they, that's all that they're, they're really noticeable about because their pace isn't stunning. I mean, they're not bad, but they're not good either. So they, they're just in that midfield area, which, you know, if El Plan really is going to come to fruition, then, you know, they need to rewrite the plan, I think. So for Ocon to actually deliver a P7 is... A little bit of a, a surprise result, really, because it didn't really seem to be threatening a, a sensible points finish. But, you know, that's, that's the sort of drive that an experienced Grand Prix racer pulls out of the bag. And that's what Esteban is becoming now. He's got two years at uh, Force India Racing Point, whatever they want to be called, uh, under his belt. And now a couple of years at Renault Alpine, whatever they want to be called as well. So, you know, he's starting to mature and this is the sort of the first step and he was faster than Alonso I think he actually legitimately overtook him on the track I mean with DRS of course but you know he, he made that overtake and he never looked back and Fernando like you say was struggling on tyres he was one of the first drivers to pit I think he pitted on the same lap as Hamilton if I can remember he might might have been around um, then yeah yeah I think they were the first two drivers to pit yeah so 12. yeah so for Esteban to pull off a, a strategy where he looked after the tyres a bit better, that, that speaks volumes to, first of all, how he's managed to get the car set up and how he's accessing the car's potential and just then delivering the performance because at the end of the day, it's the results that count in this business and you need to score points to stay relevant. And Ocon has got himself uh, one up over Alonso in the first race. So um, El Plan is in the mud. It's official. There's been so many jokes around El Plan already. Like just the very start of this season, this is going to be a running joke. I can tell. I can tell it will be. Um, but not a bad day for Alpine. They've kind of stayed around where they were last season. They've not gone back like some teams, which I will be grudgingly get into later. Um, but yeah, Alpine not looking uh, too bad at all. Really, double points from today. Not spectacular. But they did the job at the end of the day, so that's all you can really ask for. Um, also doing the job today, Yuki Tsunoda. I mean, he had a poor qualifying. He was out in Q1. 
But again, he kept his nose clear. He he had a he had a fairly decent race, just kept his tie as well. And again, a bit like Alpine, just sort of ghost into an eighth place. But and at the end of the day, Tom, fair play. That's what he needs to do more of. That's what after last season he needs to do more of. And he's got four points on the board for, for Alpha Tower to start the season. Yeah. Um you know, I, I when you know when, when I saw that um Sonoda went out in Q1 and then we saw Gazi into Q0. So, oh God, here we go again. Um, you know, because last year he had showed some significant signs of improvement. But like you said, he kept his nose clean. He was the only Red Bull power car to not shit the bed today. Um, you know, so so there is also that. Um, maybe he wasn't driving hard enough or something. Um, but um, but yeah, but you know, he 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 did he, he had a solid if unspectacular race. You know, we didn't see his um his Netflix-inspired rivalry with Ocon coming out to play today, um, and you know, but we also didn't we also didn't hear him effing and blinding on the radio for once, which is nice. Um, and also, we didn't, you know, we, we didn't see much of him, which I think, given he's a driver in the, I've said this before, and I'll say it again, because he's a driver in the Red Bull program, I think it's good that we didn't see much of him, because it means he can just get his head down, crack on with what he needs to do, and not have. You know, not 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 have the Sith Lord that is Helmut Marco looking over him all the time, and that he that he can just sort of crack on with what he needs to do. He can get his head down. He can you know, he can focus on driving better. He can focus on getting more experience, getting used to the car. Because obviously, you know, he has been in F one for a year, so he's familiar with some elements. But other, but you know, like everybody else on the grid this year, there are other elements which he's not going to be familiar with because the cars are very inherently different. Um, so yes, you know, so it, it was it was a solid weekend. You know, he started the season off on the right foot, I'd say. Quality needs work. We saw that last year, um, but his actual race performance fr- from what we saw, which, like I said, was not a lot of it. It seems to be decent enough. Yeah, yeah, it, it was all right. It wasn't amazing, but at the end of the day, he wasn't spinning the car. He wasn't overdriving it. He kept it on the road. He got some points. Credit where it's due. Fair play to him. And I hope this season continues uh, in this kind of vein for him. He was slower than Gazi this weekend. Let's not get around that. But he was a lot closer to him than what he was during most of last season. So that's a very positive sign for him. Hope he's just got to keep it going. He's got to keep the consistency. And we've got a Saudi Arabia next <laughs> next week. So that's uh, that is not an easy track to get around. So we'll see how he gets on there. That'll be more of a telling one for him, if anything. Um uh, and we'll move on. We've given him a little mention when we're talking about Ocon, but Fernando Alonso, ninth place today. Really struggled with the tyres. He did not look happy at all. He was legitimately overtaken by Ocon. I don't, I don't think it was team orders. I think he was genuinely slower than him this week. And I mean, it's, it's only one race, Phil, but if you were Alonso right now, would you be a bit worried? Because this is a track that he knows very well and it's just starting the season off and he, he did look very uncomfortable today. He won there. He's won there in, I think, two different cars too, from what I mm. remember. So to be kind of not only not be second best in your own team and also just kind of driving around and being passed by younger drivers, the likes of Sonoda, Guan Yu, and your teammate, you know, that's probably the plan ain't working so good for uh, old Fred. Um, whether the car's pink or blue, um, Things are going to have to change up real quick. I know Saudi was a great track for him last year. He, he felt very comfortable there. It's going to be interesting to see how um, they come up here uh, next week. 
because he did really well there at Saudi. Or no, I'm thinking I'm, I'm mixing up with Qatar. Sorry, um, but you know I think uh, he. And but they're probably going to go there too. But the fact of the matter is, you don't want to get beat by your teammate. That's one of the in here. That's one of the main things in Formula One. And when you're a two-time world champion and all these, all the great things that Fred is and how everyone talks about him in such glowing terms. Uh, for his outstanding personality. The reality was he was outrun by his teammate and he was outrun by young guns today. Um, and, I mean, he was less than a second ahead of Zhou Guan Yu there at the end of the race. So they need to work on stuff. Pink Panthers are definitely not as uh, fast as they probably want to be. Engine performance is still kind of not the greatest, but... I think that'll probably improve here in a couple of years' time when they have a customer uh, coming along. But um, for now, it's going to be uh, hard work to get their car a little bit better on pace to compete with those Ferrari-powered cars in regards to the midfield and, and Alfa Tori to see who's going to be fourth place and fifth and from there on in regards to constructor standings. Yeah, Alpine won't be overly happy with how this weekend has gone but they do have a genuine chance to get fourth this year which would be progress for them for sure because yeah they finished fifth last year but uh, you know I, I don't think they had the fifth fastest car said it a lot I think Alfatari had the fifth fastest car uh, last year so for them to be legitimately fourth would be great progress but they've got to beat the likes to Haas and Alfa Romeo also look fast so we'll see how that goes for them um, yeah, and another guy, the final point scorer today on his debut, uh, Zhu Guanyo, um, a solid performance by him. He got into Q2 in qualifying. It wasn't a fluke by any means. Kept his nose clean. And, you know, he's, he's got to be happy with that, Aaron. He was a long way behind Bottas, obviously, but Bottas is an extremely experienced and successful campaigner compared to him. So I think Zhu will be very, very happy with that. Something to build on for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's a solid weekend for him to build on because it's tough gig jumping into a Formula One car and delivering immediately. Um, how many times do we see debutants get in and they go out in Q1 or they have an accident? You know, it, it happens fairly often. So for, for Joe to, first of all, get the car into Q2, qualify respectably, and then manage his race into a points-paying position, that is about as good as it could possibly have been. Um you know, bear in mind, Bottas is qualifying sixth and finishing sixth. He's done a really good job with what that car is potentially able to do. And you've got to then factor in the experience of the driver driving it. So he wouldn't have been completely familiar with certain procedures and um, the way to interact with the tyres and just how you handle your engineers and all that data that you're having to try and crunch overnight. Um, you know, try and go into bed with all of that on your mind. You just wake up seeing the Da Vinci Code. So for, for him to have delivered that is really actually quite good. And I've been sceptical about his level going into the season. And he's sort of proved me wrong a little bit, which is fine because, you know, I put myself out there to say I'm not quite sure he's ready, but he's showing me that he is. And long may it continue because if he can produce that and he can deliver respectable performances, then fantastic. And uh, Formula One as a sport has... Um, a market in China that they're trying to crack and having a Chinese driver would go a long way to that. So you know, it's just positive positive vibes for, for everybody if, uh, if drivers are doing well. 
Yeah, absolutely. Fully deserved. And he uh, he put on some good overtakes, one of them on, on Mick Schumacher, Tom, who I was hoping to see get his first point in the sport. Uh, but he ended up just finishing outside of it in 11th. Um, it, it's difficult for him because obviously he was a long way off of Magnussen this weekend, but Magnussen is a much more experienced driver. So disappointing for Schumacher, but uh, promising in the way that he was so close to his first point. It will come soon, I think. Yeah, um, I wonder if Mick this year is going to be a bit like George Russell where, um, over the last few years, where, where it's like, is he going to get points? Is, is he going to get points? And I think I think we might see him try to get closer and closer over the next few races, um, you know, certainly this season, if, especially if that has is as good as it appears to be. Um, I felt for him today, you know, because because. Uh, at the end of the safety car restart, he was in the points and then Sonoda did him and Alonso did him. Um, and then with the Red Bull WNF, I think he did it for someone, I think someone else did him as well, possibly Bottas or Joe, I can't remember who. And he, he, I can't remember who pointed, he ended up finishing 11th and it was like so close, but not quite. And it, it was, it was like today's not the day, but I feel it will come this year. Probably the circuit that he's more familiar with from his F3 days. I'm from obviously his races last year. Um, so a circuit which is going to suit the car quite well. I think there's a good chance that we'll see him there as a as a combination of on merit and if there's a bit of a swing of luck that goes his way, you know, whether it's a DNF or an accident or whatever in front of him. Um yeah, it was a he's hopefully he can learn from K Mag as well, because obviously K Mag's got boatloads of experience in F1 and racing and in Haas. Um, you know, so all three. Plus, Schumacher is now not going to be borderline fighting with his teammate. You know, you know, you, you know, he's not going to have that sort of toxic relationship that he had with Mazepin last year. Um, which I, you know, I said on a few podcasts and stuff last year before we knew what well, before I knew really how bad it was behind the scenes. I said last year that um, that uh, that oh, you know, Mazepin, you, you know, he, he gets a bad rap, all the rest of it, and some of it was deserved. Having having seen Jaguar survive and having seen how much of a bell end his dad is and stuff behind the scenes, all the hate is fully warranted. So yeah, so I'd say back everything I said last year. The guy's a cock, and I'm glad he's gone from F1. Um, and the, and now now Schumacher can absolutely flourish. Oh, we do a lot of things here on the Grid Talk podcast, but sitting on the fence is definitely not one of them. I you know I I absolutely echo your your thoughts there, Tom. Anybody who has seen Drag to Survive will know how. I mean, don't get me wrong, Nikita Mazepin is not a nice person, but I, I can tell he definitely gets some of those char- characteristics from his dad because uh, they're both bad. They're both really bad. And I'm very glad to see them out of Formula 1 for sure. And Hass will be glad to see the back of them as well. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, not, we'll not mention them too much going forward, hopefully, because, yeah, they're not involved in the sport anymore and they won't be anytime soon again. So, so yeah, uh, we move on. So uh, next up, we've got Lance Stroll in 12th. And Nico Hulkenberg super subbing in this weekend for Sebastian Vettel, who's unfortunately had COVID. Hopefully, he'll be back um, for the next race, but we'll see. We could have Hulk at Saudi Arabia as well. Um, but yeah, 12th and 17th for Aston Martin this weekend. And to me, if anything, fill that flat as them because they, they, you could argue they were the slowest team in Bahrain this weekend. They were absolutely awful. Yeah, it's not a good sign with their new. Uh team principal that I'm not going to say his name because it's really not good to say in an audio form. Uh, the fact of the matter is our car was just as bad as his name is. Um, and I mean, it's Lance Stroll. I mean, it doesn't really matter. I, it, I 
people who listen to my show or listen to this show, uh, my general disdain for the guy, uh, notwithstanding their car does suck. Um, and, but I, I'll give credit to Hulkenberg, not driving a formula one car in a while and just jumping in and out qualifying him was, was nice that that made me happy. Uh, but you know, when you're not, when you're nowhere, when you're in no man's land, you're in nowheresville really doesn't count for anything. When you're actually, we're going to finish 14th and 19th, uh, or I guess whatever, if the yeah, 13th and 18th or something like whatever, however it would have worked out with um, one team not falling out there right at the end, they're lost. Um, I think there's like a general uh, consistency to the next three teams. There's not just the power unit, which was brought up, of course, not only in our chat, but on the on the race broadcast. But the fact that none of these teams have hit on this rules package change very well. Now, maybe at a smoother circuit, uh, they might that might turn around. But at least for this week, and I would venture to say next week at a track that is in ridiculous and is basically an overrated go kart track, that um that it's going to be a problem for Aston Martin, um and their sponsor and all that, um for Stroll F1 in regards to their can their potential, and I'm sure Sebastian Vettel sitting there watching this race trying to recover um, from COVID and saying, my goodness, what did I get myself into? Um, and uh, there's other people, I think, that are kind of in that same boat here that we're going to talk about shortly. Yeah, we uh, we said um, we said this was a make-or-break year for Aston Martin with the big regulation changes, and going off the evidence of this race, it seems like it's going to be a break. It's it's bad. You know, like I said, um, 12th and 17th, I guess Stroll just went up the order slightly because he didn't do another stop, pit stop or something, because he was well at the back with Hulkenberg. Hulkenberg out-qualified him as well, despite uh, Stroll having uh, loads of hours in the car testing, and Hulkenberg only going in it for the practice sessions this weekend. Um, that's, a bad, that's a bad sign on the driver front. Um, but yeah, it, it's not looking good for Aston Martin. The Mercedes-powered cars, all of them, including Mercedes, obviously have gone back relative to where they were last year. Ferrari, of course, improved, but Mercedes-powered cars have gone down. And uh, Aaron, unfortunately, I'm just going to skip a little bit ahead here and give you the McLarens. Um, I'm a McLaren fan as well, and I am absolutely distraught by this. I, I had a bad feeling because, obviously, they didn't get too many miles in and testing. Ricardo's only coming back from COVID just now. 14th and 15th, and you know, I said that Magnussen getting fifth was absolutely deserved, but 14th and 15th was absolutely deserved for McLaren as well. They were they were miles off this week. Oh, it was it was the dark Honda days again, wasn't it? Revisited. It was oh I I just didn't quite know what to make of it. I was I was really hopeful that they just sort of didn't get on top of the car yesterday and then They'd moved through today, but no, nothing worked. The car didn't work. The strategy didn't work. Uh, I don't think either driver was probably in their best possible physical condition because one's coming back from illness and one is then overworked from testing. Um, a tough day for McLaren, really tough day. But the thing is, I th- it's really strange. I still think they have a fast car. Like, I can't quite get my head around how, like, I'm th- this might just be me thinking, trying to work out a competitive order and 
wanting McLaren to be up there. But they've been able to get some lap time out of the car when they've been able to get the car in like a working window. But they just seem to be really, really struggling. And I, I also can't work out whether the Mercedes power unit is worse than the others or if their cars are just suffering with porpoising or just general chassis issues more than um, the Red Bull, Renault or Ferrari powered cars. It's a really odd sort of way to be looking at things like they've had a terrible day. They've had a terrible weekend. It's not getting any better out in the States either. So it's just, it's just one of those days, unfortunately, that's the way sport is. Sometimes you just have days and weekends where things simply do not go your way and whatever you try doesn't work. You just, you're just onto a loser sometimes. And there'll be other days where like Monza last year, where McLaren could just do no wrong. You know, they, they made the start and they got the one, two finish today. It was the strategy not paying off. They couldn't make any progress. They were battling everyone at the back. Um, Really tough. Um, But if, if there's a team that I would have faith in getting on top of it, it's McLaren. They, they always find a way. And in Andreas Seidel, they've got a really good team boss. He'll keep chins up. And I like Zach Brown as well. He's completely the opposite of Ron Dennis. I mean, he likes a bit of colour on the car, so that's a good start. Um, you know, they'll they'll make that car fast. They'll, they'll get on top of it. They might have still been hamstrung by the, the brake issue. So they might have just been playing it safe with that. Who knows? But that it's a 23 race season. <laughs> There's a lot of lot of opportunity to pick up more points in the future for McLaren. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a long old season. Um, so let, let's hope that McLaren can improve because uh, we kind of had them up in the top three teams, but they were a long way away from that. You know, they're in the midfield slog. But the thing, the thing is with this midfield though. They all seem quite close. There's not a lot really between them. There's not. There's not really even even as bad as Aston Martin have been. I wouldn't say the back markers really. They're they're down there, but they're not like miles off. So, yeah, McLaren can improve. They've got two great drivers. They've got some fantastic personnel on that team. Um, let's hope they can improve. Uh, I mean, we said that Aston Martin and McLaren have got worse with the Mercedes, you know, Mercedes engines. But Williams has stayed around the same. Um, Williams has stayed about the same. Uh, down there, but not miles off. Uh, Alexander Albon getting 13th today. Nicholas Latifi, 16th. He, had, I think, had a very poor weekend this weekend, I'll be honest. He, he seemed miles off his teammate. But for, for Albon, though, Tommy was running the points for a little bit. He was encouraging. It seems like he, he's gelled quite well with the car. He just needs a little bit more pace to get points. Yeah, it was promising from Albon. Um, you know, you know he, he, he looked somewhat promising. Um, you know, you know, I, I didn't. I maybe it's just a William team this year, but I think we all got a bit caught up in their sort of progress last year and this year. I think they've come back down to earth with a bit of a bump. Um, yeah, I, I, Alwyn looked all right. Um, yeah, he was having a couple of good ding dongs with um, uh, I can't remember who it was. He was, um, I think it was both the Alfa Romeos actually. Um, I'm fairly certain he was having a having a tussle with Bottas and then um and then uh, and then Guan Yu came up behind him and said hi and then had a go at him as well. Um yeah you know, paraphrasing slightly um but but yeah but uh, Alban looks all right. Um 
I think you've got to give him a bit of a bit of a break because he's because you know, he hasn't raced in a competitive F1 environment for a year and the car is different, all the rest of it. Um, you know, I'm not making excuses for him, but I'm saying we need to look at everything, you know, because obviously he's uh you know, he's, he's coming in somewhat cold. I know he's done testing and 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 all the rest of it, but he's not sort of like in as much of a groove as people who've been on the grid for a couple of years now. Um, but it didn't look promising for Williams. Did not look good at all. No, they didn't look great. That's for sure. But they weren't too far for points in the end. But yeah, they still got they still got a ways to go. Uh, I wouldn't say they've made any progress since last year. Maybe they've gone back a little bit relatively. But we'll see what happens. It's a long old season. I like Salbon. He's going to get better as he gets more used to the car and everything. Um, but yeah, we'll see how he gets on. Uh, now, a, a team that had a lot of pace, we've covered all the guys who actually finished the race, but a team that had a lot of pace but did not f- manage to finish the race, uh, I think we've heard now just because of, of pure pump issue for both cars. Verstappen was up in second. Sergio Perez was up in fourth. They were looking comfortable before mechanical issues kind of inflicted both cars and they dropped out. I mean, Phil, the car is quick, but very unreliable. Uh, we've seen that three of the four, because Gasly retired as well, three of the four Red Bull-powered cars all finished, didn't finish the race. And, you know, to finish first, first you must finish, and they did not finish. Yeah, I mean, I I figured that Red Bull was kind of holding back, and maybe that was part of why they were holding back, because they knew that they had these issues during the testing. They had the pace during qualifying, not of Ferrari, but they were right up there, um, and they're ahead of the Mercedes. But in the end, once you got past, I don't know which pit stop, second or third pit stop, Verstappen's on the horn to GP and yelling about this thing and that thing going wrong with the car. And then, you know, Perez, it just kind of came out of nowhere right after, of course, Max's problems started. And it literally uh, happened right to Sergio. They were up there all day. Uh, Max had chances, passed, uh, moaned about not uh, going too slow on one of the uh, outlaps and could have passed him, but really... Leclerc, as we've said or discussed earlier, had the pace advantage, but he was going to get second, which would be a perfectly good start to a title defense in a 23-race season. Um, Sergio Perez was on for fourth with a possibility of third, which is generally, considering how how his start of the season went last year, would have been perfectly fine. And then within the last few laps, it all just kind of went away. Now, we know Red Bull will come back. We know that Red Bull are going to win races this year. They have the second best car as of now, really. Um, Verstappen, you know, they they had their their battle and all last year with Mercedes, so they're perfectly capable. But if these mechanical issues and gremlins do exist in this car, it's something to be said. Where twenty three race season, only four power units or three power units, I don't even remember. Like, they keep on cutting the number of power units and they add the more races. That that could really, not not only will you have your grid penalty issue, but you're going to have situations where they're going to have to, you know, dial it back to go and, and, and keep things kind of working, where at that point, then you're going to need to have a mile and a half lead or whatever to go and hold on for victories, or you're going to be giving up pace to other teams like the likes of Mercedes and some of the midfield runners. So that's the concern. 
it's not a great look after you go and get what you got in at uh, Abu Dhabi, uh, but I wouldn't uh, be hitting the the sirens just yet. I figure they they have plenty of development and plenty of people in place uh, that will um, start figuring things out, not only in in Milton Keynes, but also in Japan to go and make sure that uh, they'll be in the right place. Uh, not it may not be Saudi. I figure they would, but it'll be there by Imola or whatever they call it now these days uh, for the next race after that. Yeah, Red Bull, like like I said, they, they've had some mechanical issues for sure, but the car is very quick. It is, I'd say, almost as quick as the Ferrari. I, th- I think Ferrari got a little edge over them, at least around Bahrain. So, um, yeah, it's obviously very bad that they've not scored any points, but the car is very fast. They'll, they'll be up there. They'll be up there come the end of the season. Uh, but like Phil mentioned, the, the big concern for them is the fact that now, I think they have three for the whole season, so they've now got two for 22 races uh engines or whatever the actual issue was if they have to retire those engines i don't know but it's going to be it's going to be a long old ride for them they're going to have to take some engine penalties later on and if they are in a championship fight with ferrari that that could be a deciding factor for sure um but yeah so those are all the teams those are all the drivers we've run through them all um i will say that if you give us a five-star review on itunes if you are enjoying the show we'll give you a shout out at the start of the next show as always and give us a five-star review on spotify as well because you can do reviews on there now which is fantastic um also head over to our store if you want to check out some our merchandise uh, obviously we got we got mugs t-shirts hoodies all that good stuff like the t-shirt i'm wearing right now um, so yeah, go and check on there. Check out on there if you want to support us uh, financially, which is always greatly appreciated. Um, so we're going to do our driver of the day vote now. Uh, Charles Leclerc, unsurprisingly, did win driver of the day today on the vote. But I'm going to give a shout out to Kevin Magnussen. To you know, literally, like I said, two weeks ago, he didn't have a contract. He wasn't meant to be in Formula One. Everybody was saying that it was either going to be Giovinazzi or it was going to be Fittipaldi in that in that second Haas seat. But no, Magnussen came out of nowhere and he's absolutely arrived with a bang. It's fantastic to see him up there. One of Haas's best finishes in the in their history as well, which it, it's just a fantastic result for them. Um, Aaron, who's your pick for driver of the day? I think Kevin Magnussen's the obvious choice. It's just such a feel-good story for Formula One, isn't it? You know, like the whole situation surrounding the Mazepin family was unsavoury, even at the beginning, uh, and it got even more so recently. So for, for Kevin to come back in and perform the way he has and just be so happy and smiley and, you know, he can smash as many doors as he likes tonight, I think, and Gunther won't care because they've got points and everyone in the Haas team deserves a big pat on the back um, or a beer, whatever they choose, for you know working their socks off all of last year, developing this car. And they really have catapulted themselves into the midfield quite unexpectedly. I mean, how much of that is the car versus the power unit and the circuit remains to be seen. But you know, if you're having a good day, you've got to absolutely milk it until the cows come home. Exactly, exactly. And because Haas also know how quickly it can all go away, but hopefully that will not happen for them again. They seem to have a good cast. So, uh, Phil, are you going to go for the Great Dane as well? I mean, being the American uh, uh, part here in the show, I would generally uh, because of also his Gene Haas's car won the NASCAR race last week, which was also my favorite driver. 
um, also won, so I lost my crap. I wasn't as excited about Kevin Magnuson finishing fifth, but the fact <laughs> that matters, it's a great thing for Kevin Magnuson to finish fifth. However, I'm going to go with Joe Guan Yu. Um, I feel like um, for a rookie compared to last year's rookie class and some of the stuff that was going on with that, some of the RG bargy that was involved there, um, to have a, a just a nice, solid race for a team on the upswing, going with porridge probably would have been a call, but I think I'm going to go with Joe, who went up through the field, gets points in his first race in Formula One, having to deal with some of the heat that comes with uh, his situation and might continue to be. The fact is he did a good job, and I want to give credit to him uh, and to that team. You know, they haven't really been there for the last few years. So, I mean, I think K-Mags is the big choice. Of course, Leclerc, one driver today, but I'm going to go Joe Guan Yu here. I'm not sure how many times I'm really going to be able to say that this year, so I figure I'll go and get it in now. Fair enough. That That is a good choice. Yeah, a solid debut for him for sure this weekend, solid throughout the weekend. Um, Tom, what's your pick for driver of the day? Um, I'm going to say Leclerc. Yeah, you know, he, he, uh, I very nearly said Magnussen. Um, but if you look at how, how Leclerc held off the reigning champion, you know, f- you know, fought back twice, three times, just drove a defensive race, drove, drove, just just drove the perfect race, you know, led every lap fastest lap pole position to win. Um, yeah, you know, it's a bit of a clean sweep for him. So uh yeah, so I was really, really impressed. But there were good drives up and down the grid today. Hmm. Yeah, there were, there were some real good attendance for sure. Like we mentioned, Bottas, even even Hamilton getting third in the Mercedes, you know, that's impressive in itself. Ocon, he was good. Sonoda getting eighth, you know, it's, it's a price to see him up there for sure. So, yeah, it's, it, it's you know, some good good drives for sure to start the season. And even Max Verstappen, I mean, obviously not his fault he retired. He was still a good job, in my opinion, to, to challenge Leclerc like he did. Um, but yeah, so uh, we'll move on from that. So yeah, be sure to give us a like on Facebook as well, uh, F1 Chronicle on there, as well as follow us on Twitter, at F1 Chronicle, if you want to catch us live as the show goes out, because we're live streaming this on YouTube. So subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. We're doing fantastic on there. And leave a comment on as well. And we've got a lot of comments to go through, but we will go through those in the post show. So thank you for your patience, everybody who's still listening. Uh, I'll give you guys a chance to plug your outlets as well. Uh, all you've got different podcasts to, to go through. So Aaron, tell us about the Five Red Lights podcast. So you can find the Five Red Lights podcast on pretty much every possible uh, podcast platform in the world um, and also on YouTube. So I do like race reviews, just general chit chat about what's going on in the Formula One world. Uh, George and Tom, you guys have been on and uh, we spoke about Mercedes and Red Bull. Um, so I'm hoping to have more guests on over the course of the year. I do the flying lap, which I'll be doing. I might not do it tonight. I'll probably do it in the morning. So I'll be trying to give you all the headlines from the weekend quicker than Charles Leclerc's uh, pole position lap. Um, sometimes I manage to do it. Um, sometimes I don't. <laughs> sometimes I'm hopelessly too slow. <laughs> There's just too much to cram into a minute and a half. It's, it's impossible. Um, so there's there's lots going on. Um, there's plenty more to come uh, this year. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at five underscore red underscore lights and on Instagram, five red lights. 
Yep, definitely check Aaron's show out. Like you said, I've, I've been on and uh, we, me and Tom were on the predictions show and already they are looking absolutely miles off the mark as we expect after one race. So, <laughs> so there we go. Uh, Phil, tell us about the GSP. Yeah, Grip Strip Podcast, just as Aaron show, basically anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find a Grip Strip Podcast. Josh Fine and I talk about not only Formula One, we talk about all things basically in America, American racing. We talk about world racing. We covered uh, IndyCar, Formula One, sports cars, all in the last episode, along with me losing my crap because my favorite NASCAR driver won. So um, the fact is you get a little bit of everything there with the Grip Strip podcast. Um, George has been a, a guest on a couple of times. Um, the time difference, of course, makes it a little more difficult to have other guests from the UK on, but I'm willing to work with that to make it happen. But uh, we're on at Pod on Twitter. We do have a new YouTube page. The Gripstrip Podcast is now on YouTube. Josh made that page. So um, like and subscribe there. We have the video from our last episode up. Um, going to try to transfer old episodes that are just on sound there. Um, you can find me at Philip G. Matthew and Josh at J.P. Huffine. Um, so, yeah, thanks for having us on, uh, George, as always. And uh, great to always talk about Formula One here on the Grid Talk podcast. Yeah, always great having you on, Phil. And, yes, definitely check out the GSP. Uh, Phil and Josh are very good for a long-form podcast. I always enjoy listening to those guys with that. Cover a lot of different motorsports. So I envy you for that because I, I don't have the time. For that. I've got a time for Formula One, and that's kind of about it with me <laughs> these days. Um, Tom, tell us about everything F1. I'm guessing you guys cover everything to do with F1. I did guess. Um, yeah. Exactly what it says on the team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, so uh, yeah, so we are everything F1. We cover, funny enough, everything F1 related. Um, but we're also branching out a bit more into F2, F3, IndyCar, and, and some other, uh, you know, some other motorsport endeavors this year as we've expanded our team. Um, you can find us across all our social platforms with the handle at joinef1. Um, we have a new we have the website which has redone recently, which is everythingf1.com, the Everything F1 podcast, which you can find anywhere you listen to podcasts, really. Um, I'm not going to list them all because my brain's not that big, um, and uh, and and yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, and we also have a YouTube channel which we're which we're beginning to grow, which is you guessed it, everything F1. No, that's that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Yeah, they are a fantastic show. I've been on that one as well, and uh, yeah, definitely check them out. They get some brilliant guests on. Uh, really good to listen to. Uh, I, I don't have a big brain, but I'm going to list all the platforms that we are. Uh... <laughs> We are available because we've got them run down here as always. So, yes, if check us out on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Verbal, Omni Studio, Pocket Cast, and the F1 Chronicle website, f1chronicle.com. And also, like Owen mentioned in the show yesterday, we are available on Sky now as well. If you have a Sky Glass TV or your Sky Q customer, you can head over to there, go into the podcast section, and Grid Talk is on there. Unbelievably, I was. As, as a true Brit would say, we I was dead chuffed when I heard that. I could not believe it. Uh, fantastic news. I ask us to you guys as well. Thank you for all your support. Honestly, it's been an amazing journey and we're going to bring you every single race, every single qualifying session and every single preview for those races this season, just like we have in the past. And keep going with the Fireside series as well, which Tom Horrocks is uh, pumping out some fantastic interviews as well. So definitely check those out if you haven't already. We should have, have another one out on, uh, on this Wednesday as well. But before that, 
we have the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix preview, which will be live from 7 p.m. UK time tomorrow. That is Monday, uh, if you're listening tomorrow. So, yeah, we're on the same day. This goes out on the audio platforms. So, yeah, thank you very much, guys. Really do appreciate it, as always. No problem. Thanks for having me. As, as always. Yeah, fantastic having you on. And, yes, like I said, Louis will be, Louis will be back tomorrow to host Grid, Grid Talk podcast for uh, the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix preview. Thank you very much for watching and listening. We'll see you for the next one. Goodbye. <laughs>